We're getting close to the end of our Transformed series. We're in chapter 27. It's been quite a journey, to say the least. We started at the very first of the year, and we've gone through, I believe, almost every chapter, week by week. And so, uh, but before we get into this, how many of you guys have ever had an anesthesia procedure? Anybody ever had one where you had to go under? Yeah, I, I had one recently, a couple weeks ago, and, and I was uh, sitting with the nurse who was, um, we're sitting down there, and she's taking all my vitals and doing all this stuff and saying, you know, asking all these questions, and she's like, do you have any trouble with anesthesia? And I'm like, no, I love it. It's awesome. Like, I've been put under several times. It's the best sleep of my life. It is awesome. How many of you guys know it? Okay, maybe not. Okay. I'm like, I love it. It's awesome. And she was like, she looks at me, she goes, yeah, I used to love it too. And she said, until I thought about, and I realized that, what if I have a bad dream and I can't wake up from it? Because when you're under anesthesia, you can't wake yourself up out of a dream like you normally can. And I'm like, well, yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> now I'm scared. Like, you are in the wrong job, lady. This, they should not have you here. This is not your thing. This is not your gifting. This is not where you should be. Uh, because I just want to go through the process and then wake up at the end, right? I don't want to have to think about those things, right? And so there are some things in life that you would just like to go through it and just say, wake me up at the end, right? You don't want to wake up in the middle. Have you ever woken up in the middle? You're like, I don't want to be here right now. Or like, put me back to sleep, right? Uh, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today is the, the idea that a lot of us, we have things that we would like to just say, wake me up at the end. But there are some things you just have to go through. There's some things you have to go through in life and you don't get the luxury of just saying, wake me up at the end. I've told you guys a story, 2021, end of 2021, 2022, we kind of went through a process like this, a storm, if you will. And my wife, Becca went into the ER. I mean, she was in bad shape. We didn't know what was going on and they're doing all these tests and things didn't look good. And so they admit her for a couple days. And so we're trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm up there in the hospital room with her on floor four after a while. And while I'm there, uh, and it was back when you couldn't stay all night, you know, so I had to leave and come back and do this whole, you know, shift around thing. And, and, but I was sitting with her one day and all of a sudden I got a call from my oldest daughter and she was, she had been in a head on car crash and she calls me from the site. And so I leave my wife in the hospital go drive to this crash site get her and take her to the ER. Now I'm in the ER down on the first floor in the ER with my daughter while my wife is on the fourth floor. And, and we went through all these tests. Finally, we get them out of the hospital and get taken care of. The next week it was that my son went into the ER and then he had to be admitted for a couple of days and had all this stuff going on with him. And when we got him out of the hospital, it wasn't a couple weeks later that my dad went into the ER with COVID. He was there for five days. It was pretty iffy with him, and we didn't know what was going to happen. It was pretty touch and go there for a little bit. We get him out of the hospital, and then my septic tank goes out. You know, that's like insult to injury. That's like a lot of things happening in a condensed amount of time. Last week, we talked about pressure, you know, having that, hitting that wall over and over again. This one's a, a little bit different. It's kind of when a storm happens, it kind of comes all at once and it can be kind of intense for a certain period of time. 
And so I would like to move on from the idea of dealing with things like that, but I want to be faithful to the story and faithful to the scripture. And in this scripture, we find that Paul is going through a storm, a literal storm. And we would like to, as followers of Jesus, to be able to think that we could get around the storm, right? Or to maybe avoid the storm or to get a get out of jail free pass because we're followers of Jesus. But it's not always the case. Because sometimes God saves you from the storm, but sometimes God saves you through the storm. And you've got to go through the storm. And so we need the Holy Spirit here today because some of us are going through a storm and we need hope. We need help. Some of us have been through it and we're still healing. Some of us will go through it one day and we need to know how to handle it. And so the title of the message today is simply Through the Storm. And so Paul goes through a storm and it's a really bad storm. He's he, you know, as we talked about last week, he was going from place to place to place, telling his story over and over again, but he appeals to Caesar. And so now he eventually is going to get on a ship. And here's what happens midway through in Acts 27, verse 17. It says, after hoisting it up, they use supports to undergird the ship. They're in the middle of the storm. Many people believe what was happening is that the ship was so being torn asunder and the storm was so bad that they had to put ropes underneath the hull of the ship to tie, to just to hold the timbers together because it was wanting to break apart. It was that bad. Then fearing that they would run aground in Sirtis, they lowered the gear and thus they were driven along. And since they were violently storm tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. This is so, such a bad storm that they had cargo on the ship, which was one of the main points of their, their voyage. Cargo equaled money. That was why they were going to trade, to, to, to do all that. And when they start throwing away money, when the owners are willing to throw away their money overboard, how many of you guys know it's really bad at that point, right? So they're throwing their money overboard now, essentially, just to save their life. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. So these are like the tools of their trade. So now they're throwing away not just their current livelihood, but their future livelihood in a sense, just to save their life in the present. And when neither sun nor stars had appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. I don't know how much more dire you can get a sentence than that. Like every little bit of hope that we had that we might somehow be saved was now abandoned with the cargo. We just threw it out over the ship. This is the literal storm that Paul went through, but some of you guys maybe are identifying with it, maybe in a past season or maybe a current season, that this metaphor is what you feel like emotionally. This, metaphor, or this, this story that Paul went through literally is what you feel like maybe on the inside. And so Paul found himself in a major storm. And so we're going to look at how he got here, what he did. And we're going to get a little historical background and get some more visuals. So, because sometimes when you read the scriptures like this and you hear all these different cities and different things, you don't really know where he's going or what he's doing. And so we're going to help you out with that. Go on location and then also uh, show you some map and stuff of what's going on. So here it is. Let's get some history.
Wow, that's intense right there. But uh, if you are going through a storm today, I got a couple questions for you that might help you that we need to be sensitive to. And I wanna be sensitive to the presence of God even in the moment of this message and, and be able to be sensitive to his presence. But here, here's the question, the first question if you're going through a storm. Who has your ear? Because there's a lot of voices that want to have your ear and to speak into your life when you're going through a storm. Let's look at who had the centurion's ear. In verse 11, it says, but the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of, ship, of the ship than to what Paul said. And as the guy said in the video, this would kind of make sense, except by this time, Paul had already, according, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, had already been in three shipwrecks before this one and survived all of them. So Paul had some experience and Paul also had some credibility with the centurion up to this point in many other different ways. But he listened to the pilot and the owner of the ship. So that's who had the centurion's ear. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both the southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. So there's four different things happening in this scripture that had somebody's ear. And these are things that we are tempted to uh, give our ear to when we also go through a storm. The first one, I'll put them all up on the screen, is the so-called experts. The pilot and the, the owner of the ship seemed like experts, but in this particular situation, there was a stronger voice that needed to be listened to. How do you guys know that you can find all kinds of experts out there to try to solve your problems, right? You can find all sorts of things online, and in maybe in, in certain circumstances, it's wise and it's prudent to do so. But when you're in a storm, you need to be very careful who has your ear. And not just any so-called expert or any so-called what, whatever will, will do. You can't just take worldly wisdom and apply it to a godly life all the time. You can't just take what works for somebody else and apply it. You have to get with God and understand what God is saying because there's a lot of experts out there. And then the next thing was the circumstances. When you are in a storm, you are so tempted. To, the circumstances are right in your face. They're all around. I mean, it's breaking your ship apart. And they said, well, the harbor's not suitable, and so this makes sense in the natural to do this, to, to go on and voyage out. When you're in a storm, there are things that may make sense in the natural based on your circumstances, but they do not line up with what God wants you to do. You have to be very careful what has your ear. And the circumstances can be very, very loud. The circumstances can almost move you without you doing anything if you're not careful. They can almost sweep you up in it. The third thing is the majority. How many of you guys have known that the crowd is almost always wrong? It seems like, right? Whatever the crowd's doing, just take a step back and just listen and say, wait a minute, what's going on here? Let me just get some discernment and see. And somehow the majority, I don't know if they took a vote or whatever it was, but the majority decided, let's go, this, let's go do this thing. And then it said they were going to go on the chance, like the roll of the dice, the what ifs. There's a lot of what ifs that can play around in your mind when you're going through a storm. These what if scenarios, some of these are like, what if, what if this happens or what if that happens? Here's what I've noticed about a lot of people whenever they are in a stressful, tense time. We tend to make decisions based on the best case scenario outcomes of those decisions. <laughs> 
We tend to imagine, okay, like if we know it's kind of risky to do, we will imagine the best case scenario instead of the worst case scenario of some of those. And we'll, we'll make a risky decision on the best case out of desperation. But Paul, he, he'd already been shipwrecked three times. He knew what was going on, but he also had, somebody else had Paul's ear. And it wasn't the pilot, it wasn't the captain, it wasn't the circumstances, it wasn't the majority, it wasn't the what ifs. Who had Paul's ear? Verse 21. Since they had been, now they're in the middle of the storm. They've already made the decision. Since they'd been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and he said, men, you should have listened to me. I love this. This is like classic Paul here, right? It's like, guys, I don't want to say I told you so, but you should have listened to me. And you should have not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Now Paul is prophesying. He's saying, he's saying an unusual prophecy. He's saying that every one of you will be saved, but there won't be a ship left. That's a pretty, I mean, that's going out on a limb, isn't it? I mean, that's like, that's taking a chance. He says, but only of the ship. Why? For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. For you must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted all, you all those who sail with you. He didn't listen to the so-called experts. He didn't listen to the majority. He didn't listen to the circumstances. Didn't listen to the what-ifs. He listened to the voice of God that came through an angel. Is it the circumstances? Is it the what-ifs? Or is it the voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to sit down for this one. Because you know what's coming up in about a year, year and a half or so, a little bit more than that, or a little bit less than that? An election, right? And let me tell you guys, I had so much fun the last time. I mean, <laughs> for us pastors, man, it was like our Super Bowl. I mean, it was just so awesome. We loved every minute of it, and, uh, and I'm sure you guys did too. I mean, I, I loved watching all the banter back and forth online and stuff, and all the people leaving the church and all that. It was great, you know, it was just, it was great. Let me tell you something. Over the next year, there's going to be a lot of people who want your ear. Can I just tell you as your pastor, be careful who gets your ear. There's a lot of voices. What I'm saying is, church, we can do it better this time. We didn't do so good last time. But we can do it better because we've grown, I believe. We've grown in the fruit of the Spirit. We've grown in the love of God. We've grown in our wisdom. We've grown in experience. We've grown in one, love for one another. Now, I may be prophesying right now, but I'm saying it anyway. But we've grown in love for one another. We've grown in love for the lost. We've grown in love for people who we don't see the same view as they do. We've grown. So we can do it better. But let me tell you something. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, chatter that's going to be happening. And you guys, have you, you known that there's like this thing called AI now, right? Artificial intelligence and all this stuff that gets produced. And I mean, all these deep fakes that can produce where they can just take a digital, uh, they can make somebody look like they're saying something they're not, right? And before it used to be kind of easy to spot because it was that uncanny valley type thing, but now they're getting so good at it, right? That I've seen stuff that is like, I could not tell if that was that real person saying that or a, a digital version of them saying that. 
What I'm saying is there's going to come a day, Pastor Aaron and I were talking about this, there's going to come a day not too long from now, if it's not already here, where everything you see online can be manipulated to such a degree that you, do not, you can't tell if it's real or not. Now, some of you guys have been saying, well, I, I've been labeled a conspiracy theorist and I've been saying that all along. Well, how do you know what you're seeing is correct? How do you get the pass? How do you have the eye? What I'm saying is there's coming a day where, and I'm not trying to be overly skeptical. I'm just trying to just to forecast out where it's going to be. But there's a, there's coming a day where everything you see online, I mean, I don't know if we're there yet, or maybe it's 10 years from now, but where no one, everything could be manipulated to such a degree that nothing could be trusted. No matter what, either side, and it's all sides, by the way, guys. So don't get up on a pedestal and think your side is right. And it's all sides. There's coming a day where you may not be able to trust anything that's out there and you won't have a way to know. And some people will be happy just to get in their little echo chamber and to believe whatever they want their world to be like on either side. They would just jump in there and they'll just say, no, this is actual. This is true. And they won't mind if some of it's fudged here and there just because they are content to live in that world. And then there will be others who will be completely skeptical and step out completely and not know how to engage at all. But Pastor Aaron and I were talking and we, we think that this actually is an advantage for the church. In so much as that God created us to be in the room together. And that I, I think one thing that's going to happen out of all of that is people are going to have an innate desire or a hunger for what is actually real and tangible so that we would desire to be in the room together and that, you know, even if you can't believe what your eyes or ears hear online, face to face now becomes the thing that everybody wants and the only thing that's actually true. But God designed us to be in community with one another. So what I'm saying is you can even get a jump start on where this is going right now, even over the next year. If you, you need to be careful who has your ear. So stay close to the scriptures. By the way, you might want to get yourself a physical copy because AI is already rewriting that. Stay close to the scriptures and stay close to community with one another, the local church. That's not me trying to say something that Journey Church is like, like for Journey Church, I'm saying for your benefit, surface level Christianity will not cut it in the days to come. A surface online connection with each other is not going to, it won't be, re, it's already not real, but it's not going to, you're not even going to feel any little bit of realness that you currently feel in the future. You are going to need deep relationships. That's why we provide an opportunity coming up next week. This is commercial right now, just commercial break for, for our picnic in the park because you're going to meet somebody. You're going to have a casual conversation with somebody that may lead to a deep friendship. But listen, over the next year and a few months, let's do it better this time. Let's love one another. Let's not be baited into all the games that happen. Let's not wall up our side. Let's let the love of Jesus, let's let the truth of God that comes from scripture be our guide. Let's let the people of God be the ones that we 
hang on to. Why? So that we can reach out and love other people with the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. Be careful who has your ear. All right, I'm going to get up now. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Here's the next question, though. Who owns your mouth? That probably should have went with the other one, right, with the, the election stuff. But, the, but we'll, just, we'll just go with this one. Who owns your mouth? All right, let's go back. Acts 27, 25. Paul says, so take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it'll be exactly as it has been told, but we must run aground on some island. See, Paul begins to encourage the people, even in the midst of his dark storm, he uses his mouth to encourage other people. And he uses his mouth to encourage people and to prophesy to them. What I'm saying is this, when Paul was in his storm, Paul's mouth had an assignment attached to it. When Paul was in the storm, his mouth had an assignment attached to it. See, sometimes we just let our mouth go wherever we feel. But what if in your storm, your mouth has an assignment attached to it? Paul certainly did. Paul's, I mean, maybe, maybe it's to give a right now word in season. Maybe it's to say an encouraging word. Maybe it's to be like David and encourage yourself in the Lord. Do you realize you can do that? That you can encourage yourself in the Lord. Maybe you're in a storm. Maybe you're not in a storm right now, but your mouth still has an assignment. It's to go and speak into somebody else's storm, a word of encouragement or a prophetic word to them. But you know, your mouth has an assignment attached to it. Your mouth has assignments that it will not fulfill if it has the wrong owner. There will be assignments that are left undone if it has the wrong owner. So how do we know who owns our mouth? Luke 6, 45 says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. Many of you guys know this scripture for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Whoever has your ear owns your mouth. Because what comes in is what is going to come out. If fear has your ear, fear will come out. That's why I say, be careful what you're consuming. Be careful what echo chamber you put yourself in. Be careful uh, who has your ear. Be careful what's being fed on the inside of you. You may think it's not that big of a deal. You're consuming all of this stuff. But the Bible says what's coming in will come out. Whoever owns your ear owns your mouth. So don't partner with the enemy's plans with your mouth. Your mouth has an assignment attached to it. Paul encouraged others because he who had his ear also had his mouth. All right, let's finish up the story. Let's see where this thing went because we, we already know what Paul has prophesied, but let's see how it goes. Let's watch.
So Paul's prophecy comes true. God had his life in his hands all the time. Here's the last question if you're going through a storm. You need to maybe remind yourself of this. Who holds your life? Who holds your life? Even as you're going through this. Acts 27 verse 30. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship... And they lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out the anchors for the bow. See, these guys were, some of them were trying to abandon ship. They were trying to pretend like they were just uh, lowering, you know, a boat or something like that. But uh, they were, or laying out the anchors, but they were actually lowering a boat to try to abandon ship without everybody else knowing it. And Paul said to the centurions and the soldiers, he said, wait a minute, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Why? Because the prophecy was that the ship gets destroyed and that all of them are, are without the ship together. They, they can't, it can't go a, a different way. And then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boats and let it go. How I many you guys know that takes a little bit of faith right there when you start cutting away your lifeboats, your exits? Here's what I want you to understand. Paul, there is no way that Paul was going down with that ship. How do I know that? Because God still had other assignments for Paul to complete. One of the ways we know this is that Paul still had a huge chunk of the Bible to write. There's no way that, that Paul is going down with the ship. Paul also knows that he's got an appointment in Rome. He's not going down with the ship no matter what happens, no matter how bad the circumstances are. And what some of you need to hear is that God has assignments for you beyond this current storm. You're not going to go down in the storm. He holds your life. And as bad as it looks right now, that he has some things for you to still do. And so there's no way that you're going to go down with the ship. But that doesn't mean that there aren't still ways that you need to do things in the middle. And in the meantime, Paul's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know we're not going down, but we need to do this a certain way. There's things that we need to do so that all of us are saved. There, uh, Pastor Linda Buckle, many of you guys know her. I call her Pastor Linda because when I was on staff of the church, she was one of the pastors in the church, and uh, she's still a pastor to me in many ways. And uh, Linda and Tom come here now, and she used to preach a message that it was called, it's not how you start, but how you finish that counts. And a lot of us, you know, maybe we didn't start out so well. It doesn't matter how you start. It's how you finish the counts. But some of you need to hear this side of it. Let me just add something to it. Because some of you guys started out great. And you look at where you're at now and you're like, I'm not doing well. <laughs> and you're in a storm and you're tempted like these people in the story just to abandon ship in some way. Maybe to abandon the relationship, abandon the church, abandon the situation, abandon the whatever it is. You're tempted to abandon ship because you started out great but you're not doing so great, and the circumstances are all in your face. Let me just say it this way. It's not how you started, but that you finish that counts. That you hang in there to the end. Because there will be sun shining one day, even though you haven't seen it for 14 days, as in Paul's story. But if you just hang on to Jesus. I want you to understand as much as you think you're hanging on to Jesus, he's hanging on to you way more than you could ever hang on to him. He's hanging on to you. And so what we're going to do is what I believe Paul did even on this ship as the worship team comes back up. Let's finish up here. We're going to receive communion together. 
Acts 27, verse 33, says, and as day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you've continued in suspense and without any food have taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. See, Jesus is holding you even through the storm. There's nothing, there's, as much as you want to hold on, he's holding on even stronger. It says, and when he had said these things, he took bread. Watch what he does. There's a little debate about this. Some people think this is not what's going on. I tend to think this is what's going on here because of the pattern. It says, and he took bread, giving thanks to God. In the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat, and he gave it to them. They were all encouraged. They ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship, and when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing the wheat into the sea. I believe that Paul was actually having communion right here on the ship, right in the midst of the storm. How do I, why do I think that? Because of the pattern that's happening right here. It says, he took bread, he blessed bread, he broke bread, he gave bread. That's the pattern of Jesus, by the way. You remember the Last Supper, he took bread, he blessed bread, he broke bread, he gave bread. Remember the disciples on the road to Emmaus who didn't recognize Jesus? Then all of a sudden he sat down with them and what did he do? He took bread, he blessed bread, he broke bread, he gave bread and then they said, that's Jesus and he disappeared. They recognized him in this pattern. And so I believe Paul is actually receiving communion here in the middle of his storm, reminding himself and all the others that as much as we try to hold on to Jesus, Jesus is holding on to us because he died for us. His blood was shed, his body was broken, he went into the grave, he rose from the dead, he gives us victory even if we can't see it right now. And then when they had eaten and they took, I believe they took communion, they threw all the rest of the food overboard. You talk about an act of faith. Paul knew so much that they were getting out of the storm that they threw the, like, we're not gonna need this. We're, we're done with this because we're, we're gonna be saved pretty soon. And they threw all the food. He did an irreversible act of faith because he trusted fully in the word that God had given. When was the last time you did an irreversible act of faith? That in the middle of the storm, you trusted God so strongly I'm gonna cooperate with God so fully. I'm gonna let God be in my ear and not the circumstances. I'm gonna let God's word be in my mouth and not my feelings. And I'm gonna let what I do with my hands be a direct result of what I've heard in my heart. 